Welcome to Football is Family, a podcast dedicated to the fan and fan experience. My name is Jeremy McFarland, and I want to look at the positive behind what makes football so enjoyable to watch and follow. I want to know why you are a fan of your team, of a player, or an era of football. Whether the pros, college, or high school, I want to hear and share your stories and your love for the game. If you want to be part of this podcast, please message me on Twitter at Jeremy underscore McFarland or on Facebook at the Footballist Family Facebook page. And we're back to Footballist Family, and I got a I got a special guest tonight. Uh, would you like to introduce yourself? I am uh, Kyle Smith with the USFL Project, and man, I'm I'm happy to be here. I love the podcast. I've been listening for a long time. I really appreciate the time. I really appreciate you having me on. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Um, and and he was he was talking a second ago about his voice being raspy. I'll tell you what, as long as you can talk and as long as you can get information out, it doesn't matter. We're just we're just here. We're just here to help each other out. Now, I uh, I grew up in the 80s, but I don't remember the USFL very well. And a lot of what I have learned has been, well, Lately, but I think we're going to talk about something before we get into the USFL. So, okay, so this may be my first and last, you know, uh, um, time on your podcast. So <laughs> I got to I got to bring the fire right away. So, you know, I told you that I've been listening to the podcast for a while and I got to take you back to the April 8th episode where you covered players that should be in the hall of fame. Right. And I listened to it and I listened to it very intently. And, you know, I really liked all the content, but man, you know, I was, I was really sad to not hear you mention the name Sam Mills because Sam Mills, uh. Sam Mills is such a fixture in the U he embodied what the USFL was all about. He was undersized. They told him he would never play, and he turned. He not only turned it into two world football championships with the USFL, but he turned it into a stellar career with the New Orleans Saints and the Carolina Panthers. So, you know, I, I was just I, – I, I had to say it. You know, we're, we're, we're friends. We're buddies. I, I had to, <laughs> you know, I, I had to bring this to your attention that that – the the Sam Mills thing was a huge oversight, in my opinion. I'm okay. See, see, Mr. Kyle, I'm okay with being wrong <laughs> if I can correct my wrongness. Uh, you know, I was I was thinking back about that episode. Ken Riley, uh, Ken Anderson, and Eddie George should be in the Hall of Fame at one point or another. Ken Riley definitely. But I have forgotten Sam Mills. That guy was a boss. And uh, if you don't know who Sam Mills is, I'm looking him up right now. Um, he played for the Philadelphia and the Baltimore Stars, 83 to 85. Uh, I did not know he played for the Cleveland Browns or the Toronto Argonauts. I did not know that. Uh, but his big thing was when he played for the New Orleans Saints and actually made their defense one of the best defenses I've ever seen. Just what he is a two-time USFL champion, USFL all-time team, 
His numbers retired for the Carolina Panthers. He is a five-time Pro Bowler and a first-team All-Pro. Uh, but this is this is what gets me: thirteen hundred nineteen tackles. That to me is is enough to get into the Hall of Fame. So let me tell you something else that should you know that that really really should be a part of his history. Sam Mills played in the USFL all three seasons. Those were 18 game seasons. And I bring that up because the NFL has been overly um, patting themselves on the back for adding a 17th game this year. And, and I commend that. I completely do. The USFL played 18 games with no bye weeks, zero bye weeks. So you've got a guy who played every single game in the USFL from 83 to 85, including the postseason, including the preseason, and never took a day off. That is the definition of keep pounding. So for me, for me, Sam Mills, and and I live, and I don't know if you know this, but I live in the DFW area. So the big deal this year was Drew Pearson getting into the Hall of Fame, which right. Yeah. I completely agree with. I mean, the, the guy was on the all 70s, all decade team. I totally get Drew Pearson going into the Hall of Fame. But for me, Sam Mills is the biggest, greatest oversight of the pro football. And I say that, I say that to make a point. The Pro Football Hall of Fame, Sam Mills is the biggest oversight the Pro Football Hall of Fame has to date. Okay, so so let's take a take a step back and look at another person. Um, okay. My uncle is a big Cowboys fan, and I remember growing up, going to his house. He had a Herschel Walker poster in a little room, and I, every time I walked by, I looked at Herschel Walker. Uh, like I said, I grew up in the '80s, but I didn't know a lot about the USFL. Today, I went and looked at his stats in the USFL. If you were to take his close to 6,000 yards rushing in the USFL and combine it with his 8,000 yards in the NFL, he would have been second or third all time. Absolutely. And the problem with Herschel, and you know, and I would tell Herschel this to his face, is. The NFL didn't know what to do with him. He went to the USFL. He broke all kinds of professional football records, but the NFL did not know what to do with him. They didn't know if they wanted him as a running back. They didn't know if they wanted him as a kick return specialist. They didn't know if they wanted him as a you know an H back coming out of the backfield catching passes. And he could do it all. Herschel could absolutely do it all. And I think Herschel. Well, I don't think I know that Herschel deserves some consideration for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And, I, you know, we've said that for a long time. Would you would you be um, of the opinion that if you played in Canada, if you played in the World Football League, if you played in the European League in, in European NFL, that those stats should carry over to what you do overall? Absolutely. And, and I'll even expand that to the XFL. I mean, those, these are professional football leagues. And if you're going to present yourself as the pro football hall of fame, 
you have to consider every single statistic, every downplayed, every yard made, every catch made. You have to consider all that because to me, you know, I love the guy. I really, really do. But you've got a guy that played in the USFL named Derek Holloway that played in several of those leagues. He played in the arena league. He played in the USFL. He played in the pros. You have to consider all of those stats and you have to put them all together. It's not, it's not the good old boy system anymore. And I think that's what we're dealing with, with the pro football hall of fame. It's the, it's the good old boy system. They want, they want the stories that have to do with the NFL and they they have to consider all leagues. They've got to consider the World Football League. They've got to consider all of those. They have to take all of those stats and put them together and make a case. And sorry, my puppy. No, um, that's, that's okay. We're all about the animals here too. Well, that's that's Bandit, who is um, who's actually named after the Tampa Bay Bandits and their owner Burt Reynolds, and he's he's over there. Um, Making a lot of noise, but well, no, this is football is family and, and pets are family, so there we go. Yeah, absolutely, they are. These these two are definitely family. Now, now I'm looking in the back. We have what five pictures in the back, and they look like they have stories to them. Are they USFL related? Absolutely, all of them are USFL related. As a matter of fact, the the uh, two long ones behind me, um, <clears throat> that those are. Um, Kelvin Bryant, who was the 1985 uh, USFL MVP, and Chuck Fusina, who was the 84 USFL MVP. So I have those pictures. I was actually lucky enough to have them sign pictures. And then I put the the ticket from the game along with it and had them framed. Now, there's always a story, and this is what this uh, podcast is about, uh, the story. Why? That's all I have to ask. Why? So (laughs) this has been quite a journey. Um, I started the USFL project over 15, over 15 years ago. And what I wanted was I remembered from my childhood, how much, how excited I was about the USFL coming about because there, there was going to be football in the spring. There was going to be new teams. There were going to be all of these different innovations. And so as a very impressionable child, I was, I was so enamored with the USFL. I wanted to see new football in a new, you know, in a new era. So I dove into the USFL early, early, early. And I just, I I loved you know, I loved the the teams. I loved I loved everything that was happening. Um, you know, at that time, and I know you probably remember this, but the NFL was kind of branded as the no fun league. Oh yeah. And the USFL came in and said, "Hey, we're not going to do all that. We're going to let these guys be football players. We're going to let these guys celebrate. We're going to let these guys enjoy themselves playing football." And they did. And so for for me, impression-wise, the USFL was just huge. And then 
I actually grew up in a small town in Oklahoma. And so when the Oklahoma Outlaws came about, and I didn't know any of the backstory of how that happened. But when the Oklahoma Outlaws came about, I was like, oh, my gosh, we're going to have pro football in in Oklahoma. This, I mean, this is this is Sooners country. This is Cowboys country. We're going to have pro football in Oklahoma. And so I was I was so excited about that. The games were actually in Tulsa, so it made it a little bit difficult to get to. But but man, that that excitement of having a pro football team was was huge. Now, do you um just let's delve into a little bit of the history of the USFL. And if I remember correctly, and I don't know how many teams were originally there, that, that is where I, my knowledge, but it's a $1.8 million cap that they wanted to keep. And obviously they did not keep it, especially when Steve Young got signed. Right. Did, so, uh, did, did the USFL pretty much price themselves out of existence? They didn't price themselves out of existence. So the thing about the USFL that, that some of some fans don't know is that the USFL was the formation of a man named David Dixon and David Dixon had this plan back in the sixties. He, I mean, he was actually really, really close to forming the United States football league back in the sixties. And then the, uh, the NFL came to him and said, Hey, we know you're, you know, we know you're a native, we're thinking about putting a franchise in New Orleans and we want you to be a part of it because you're so knowledgeable. So they brought David Dixon in and that's how the New Orleans Saints came to be. And then after, you know, after Dixon got them off the ground and helped them with everything, he went back to his, you know, his business lifestyle. And then he got that hankering again to bring spring football to the people because that was something that was missing from, from the U S and, and probably from the world. And so, um, Dixon again, you know, put out the information about the USFL and said, Hey, I think we should do this. He found some very, very, very successful businessmen, and that's how that's how the USFL formed. So, uh, so it was brought together in the late seventies for spring football, and you said eighteen games plus preseason plus postseason. It would run from when would it typically start? Uh, typically start in February and would end in July. Boy, I'll tell you what. I, I've been to several training camps over at Nashville for the Titans, and it's hot just standing there. I can't imagine what July would be like. Yep. You know, and the you know, funny thing is, um, the NFL is is really big on their international games, but the USFL has done something that the NFL still hasn't done, and probably will never do. But after the 84 season, when the Philadelphia Stars won the championship over the Arizona Wranglers, they had a postseason exhibition game where the Philadelphia Stars and Tampa Bay Bandits went to London, England. Does that ring a bell? Oh, wow. That, that's NFL personified. They went to London and played a postseason exhibition game. 
No, they wouldn't do that. They wouldn't do that because that would pretty much, uh, well, it just wouldn't happen. But let me ask you a question here that spring football, for what I understood, the first season, they knew that they were not going to make a profit. I think only one team made a profit. Is that correct, Denver? Um, I think there were a couple of teams that were over okay. the Mendoza line, but it, 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 you're, it was close. You're pretty it, close. It was pretty close. But it's like the, the, the NFL when it started in the 20s, you know, they knew they weren't going to make money. They knew that there was going to be a loss. The second season, it started to look like it was going to pick up. What really changed things for the USFL? What was one of the things that changed it? It looks like it was picking up in the second season, but in the third season, something happened. Well, I mean, that's, that's pretty much an easy answer because in the first season, everything from a fan standpoint looked like the USFL was coming up and making a stand against the NFL. The problem was, is that, again, going back to the Dixon plan, the, there were a few owners that were not following the Dixon plan and the cap restrictions and everything else. Like, you know, case in point, the Michigan Panthers went out and bought the entire Pittsburgh Steelers offensive line. They had a oh. rookie quarterback in Bobby Bear. And nobody knew nobody knew the name Bobby Abair before he went and won the USFL championship in 1983. He's a great guy. I can't say enough nice things about him, but nobody knew who he was. So the owner, one of the first things he did is he went out and bought an offensive line and said, I'm going to protect my rookie quarterback because I think I've got something here. And he did. But the the second thing, and it's really easy. They started out in 83 with 12 teams, and they expanded to 18 teams in the 84 season. They expanded way, way too quick. I mean, you've seen in the NFL what it takes to get an expansion team. You watched watched Art Modell in the middle of the night move the Cleveland Browns to Baltimore, and Cleveland had to sit there and wait and wait and wait to get an expansion team. It takes forever. I, I remember when I was in college in 95 and they announced Carolina and Jacksonville were getting expansion teams. And let me tell you something right now, the Jacksonville Jaguars would not exist right now. If it wasn't for the absolute popularity of the Jacksonville bulls, the Jacksonville bulls had amazing attendance they had a they had a staunch fan base there is no way the nfl would have ever considered jacksonville as a city without the success of the jacksonville bulls and i'll plant my flag in the ground on that well see you you look at it everything is dependent upon something else uh pro sports does not exist in a vacuum you know, things that happened before uh, tend to happen, uh, you know, tend to have ripple effects. Now, why would why would the USFL want to move to the fall? I don't think they did. Um, I think that they had enough owners at that point that were hemorrhaging money that 
they had they had an owner that was successful and that was somewhat showing a profit and he convinced them to go up against the NFL. You That's, are doing a real good job not mentioning his name. I, I don't have a problem mentioning his name. I mean, Donald Trump was the owner of the New Jersey Generals, and he did he did a great sales job on a lot of the owners. He did. You know, telling them, you know, that they could go up against the NFL. And it was just too much too quick. It's like it's like getting in that relationship. That first, that first time you get into a relationship and everything is hot and heavy and you've got somebody telling you all the right things and all the things you want to hear. And you're like, man, this is the one. This, this is who I want to follow. And then you find out that that person is nothing more than a used car salesman. And, and I'm not necessarily saying that about him. He has a great business acumen. but the idea of challenging a well-established football league in the fall was just not a great idea. It seems like he wanted to be NFL more than USFL. Oh, he did. He tried to buy into Buffalo. He wanted to, he wanted to be an NFL owner and, and that's well-documented. So when he couldn't buy into the NFL, he wanted to take them head on because, and, and he said that. In every TV show he's ever been on, in every press conference he's ever been in, he says, I'm going to take everything head on. And for good or bad, he does. But, you know, it just it didn't work out this time. And unfortunately, it you know, it killed arguably the most successful competitor to the NFL since the AFL. I mean, there there has really been no other league that has competed with the NFL other than the AFL, which the NFL absorbed, and I think probably would have happened with the USFL had it been able to go on for a couple more years. Oh, you think they would have absorbed some teams? I do. I do. There And there were, there were cities that didn't have NFL teams at that time that were – that were very successful. Again, Jacksonville, I hate to go back to them, but Jacksonville, Memphis, I mean, they had teams in the South that were doing really, really well. The unfortunate thing with Tampa was that the Buccaneers were already established, but the Bandits were wildly successful. I mean, wildly successful. They had, they had probably the most electric fan base in the USFL. And they were, they were probably in the 83 to 85 era, the bandits, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and say it. The bandits were, were more popular than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now I wouldn't doubt that Tampa Bay in the eighties, just, they were there. The Buccaneers. So you, uh, so you you watched, I'm sure you've seen every one of the games. Mm Mm-hmm. Probably several times. You've you've read the books. You've watched the documentaries. If you could go back to say eighty four, and they said Kyle Smith, we have you're going to be commissioner for a month. 
what direction would you take the USFL that may prolong their their life? I would tell the owners that they had to follow the Dixon plan and make sure that they were uh, make sure that they were under the salary cap restrictions. And I would probably, if I think at this point, and I'm going to get a lot of USFL alumni that are going to contact me after this. So thank you for that. Um, hey, that's what I'm here for. Right. Um, I don't think I would expand. I think I would have kept it to the same 12 teams. If it's, if it's not broke, don't fix it. I think I would have kept the same 12 teams in 84. And then I would have, I would have talked about expansion down the road. Now, but do you think that watered down the, uh, the playing field? Oh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as much as, you know, again, I was a, uh, I was an Oklahoma Outlaws fan, but you add Oklahoma, you add Pittsburgh, you add, and Pittsburgh's a great market. I, I'm not, I'm not here to disparage Pittsburgh, but you add six teams after your first season. It's just, man, that's a crazy dynamic. And I, I understand the logic of why they, they thought that that was a good idea at the time, but it was not a good idea at the time. Do you think that if they had held back a little bit, it could have lasted a few more seasons? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I think that I think if they would I mean, I honestly think if they would have went 83 to 86 with the same 12 teams, I think they would have been fine because they were, you know, they they were pulling big name college talent that were that said, no, we don't want to go to the NFL. We want to go to the USFL and make more money and 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 do this and have this better opportunity. So, yeah, I, I mean, I could honestly, I could honestly see staying at 12 teams for at least the first four or maybe five years. And then maybe at the five year mark saying, Hey, we're going to add these two franchises. They had to, uh, did they share stadiums with NFL teams? Um, A a couple of them did, but since they played in different seasons, I mean, like the generals, you know, the generals played in the same stadium that the giants and jets played in and, you know, Oakland played in the same stadium that the Raiders played in. So yeah, they, okay. they stadiums. So it would have been a lot more, it would have been a lot easier and probably smarter just to stick to the spring because of just logistics. Well, even that became a challenge because in 85 and again some of the casual usfl fans may not know this but in 85 the la express was playing in the la coliseum and they had some scheduling issues and so the express actually played at pierce college in los angeles for a game or two did not know that well, see, there you go. Pierce College, you have uh, a mark in history there. That's right. I actually I actually have a home ticket 
from the LA Express that says game at Pierce College. Are, do you go on eBay to find these things or do you do, do you know people who have them? Um, I used to go on eBay and look for stuff and I still, you know, I probably do a daily search on eBay and just kind of check stuff. I, I found there's a, you know, there's a Phantom Jacksonville Bulls ticket from 1984 because when the 84 season was <coughs> At the 18th game, the Bulls were, you know, right there. All they had to do was win and go to the playoffs. And so the owner, Bullard, he got really excited and he started printing up Bulls playoff tickets. Well, it turned out to be a phantom ticket because the Bulls lost. And so I have a couple of those phantom tickets as well. Um, I've I've got a ticket. God, this makes me such a nerd. Why? Why are you doing this to me, dude? Um, um, you, you don't have to ever apologize for being a nerd. You and I could talk off off camera, and I'll tell you what I got. So don't don't ever apologize. <laughs> so um, I actually have a ticket from the. I can't remember if it's eighty three or eighty four, but it was the cheerleader auditions for the Oakland Invaders, and you actually had to have a ticket to go audition to be one of the blue angels so yeah i've got man i've, I've just got don't apologize for that 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 to me is nothing but respect you know all right I'll, I'll tell you i have the first ticket that the first game that jay cutler played in and i had to get on ebay to get it okay i i, I get the nerd to, i do i got you you know now, now where are you based out of hurricane mills tennessee Oh, that's you, real close. That's real close. One of these you, days. <laughs> do you know where Loretta Lynn's Loretta Lynn lives? Oh yeah. I she's she's my neighbor now. That being said, I don't go over there and ask for sugar, but you know, she's she's our neighbor. <laughs> so one of these days I'll have to remember to tell you the story about the night I thought Jay Barker was gonna kill me. The old Alabama quarterback. Oh my goodness, Jay Barker. He he uh he married up in the world with Sarah Evans. I, I respect him, but he was gonna kill you. Yeah, that uh, actually the story involves Sarah. So I, I think I think if you decide to have me on next time, I think I will tell the story about the night that I thought Jay Barker was going to kill me. Now is he a, was he a U.S. No, no, that was not the time. He was ninety two. No, no, he uh, the the only off league he played in was um, the XFL. He played for the Birmingham Thunderbolts. Yes, he did. All right, so I, I asked this, Kyle, and I'm going to ask you this. If I give you a block of granite, a chisel, and a hammer, and you can chisel out a Mount Rushmore of the USFL, who would be there? Whoa. Okay. So for the Mount Rushmore of USFL, the first guy that is there is Kelvin Bryant. Kelvin Bryant was, was one of the best running backs I ever, ever saw. I, I never got the chance to see him live, but Kelvin Bryant, um, man, that's a good one. Why, you know what? I remembered his name 
because I remember him playing for the Redskins. I knew I would remember his name. And you say that uh, he is 1983. Of course, this is this is how great of, of digging I'm doing. It's Wikipedia. Yep. 83 USFL MVP. Two-time champion. USFL all-time team. And two-time USFL all-USFL selection. I'd say so. Yeah. Kelvin, I mean, Kelvin Bryant, all respect to Herschel Walker, but Kelvin Bryant was the all-time running back in the USFL. Now, the second one, the second one's pretty easy. Okay. That's Jim Kelly. Yeah. Jim Kelly only played two seasons. He played two seasons in Houston. He was really, really, really good. Really good. And I think Jim Kelly would be right next to Kelvin. Now, if I remember correctly, he did not want to play for uh, Buffalo, went to Houston. And I think between that time and the time that the USFL folded, he changed his opinion pretty fast to Buffalo. Uh, That is correct. Um, Now, when, when he was given the option of the USFL, he was pretty much given the option of whatever team he wanted to play for. He wasn't oh, okay. He wasn't really drafted per se, and I put that in quotation marks. They they said, you know, if you if you come play for the USFL, we will let you choose your team. So so yeah, you are accurate. Um so Kelvin Bryant, Jim Kelly, what are you thinking about this? Okay. To hear Kelvin Bryant's stats, 83, he rushed for 1,440 yards and 16 touchdowns. 84, 1,406 yards and 13 touchdowns. And in 85, 1,207 yards and 12 touchdowns. That's pretty good three-year three, three year run there. And that doesn't even count what he caught out of the backfield. Oh, what he wow. Did. I mean, the whole offense for the Philadelphia and Baltimore stars ran through him. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and no, no disrespect to Chuck Fusina because Chuck Fusina was really good. And he was a, he was a great quarterback that was put in a, a terrible situation situation in the NFL, but Chuck, uh, man, Chuck did it in the USFL. He was so good. So, all right, so I've got Kelvin, I've got Jim Kelly, I'm, I've got another one, but I'm going to wait for that. That's going to be the surprise at the end. <laughs> That's what we call a cliffhanger right there, folks. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drop a name that you're not going to expect, I can right. promise you. In, in, the, in the 50 names that you would come up with in USFL, you will not come up with this name, but I'm telling you he's on the Mount Rushmore of USFL. Um, man, I, I think just because of the records that he set, I think you have to put Herschel Walker, chiseled and sewn in that third spot. So you've got Kelvin, you've got Jim Kelly, you've got Herschel, and then my fourth. So let me let me be just completely honest with you. 
let it all out. It's okay. I've had a chance to meet this guy. I've had a chance to sit down and talk to him on multiple occasions. And I really, really, really like this human being. I do. But that being said, this has nothing to do with bias. This has to do with stats. And this has to do with what he did on the field. My fourth person that is on the Mount Rushmore of the USFL is John Corker. John Corker had an amazing USFL career. His 83 stats alone with Michigan and his sacks seal the deal for him. That 83 alone puts him on Mount Rushmore. And then you go to 84. And then you go to the fact that he got sent to Memphis in 85. And you've got a future Hall of Famer in Reggie White on the other end of the defensive line. And John Corker was the best defensive player on the 85 Memphis team. Without question. I'm trying to find his his, uh, stats, and I'm not finding any. You won't because we have them. <laughs> All Sorry, right. we've we've got a lot of stuff working behind the scenes, but I promise you that those uh, those stats are going to come out. And you know, and just let me take a second. Um, I want to thank our team with the USFL project: Tom Cadle, Jim Parcells, Rob Butts. Man, those guys are doing amazing, amazing work that nobody right now is seeing, but I promise you it won't be long. What are you, are you putting together websites, books? You're looking at me like you're not going to tell me much. I, I would, I would absolutely love to tell you, but right now we have to keep everything on the back burner. Well, okay. Okay. So you're going to be a little bit like that, you know, <laughs> at, 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 at least promise me that football, this family will be one of the top 30. You would tell when all this comes out. Promise that. Absolutely. No, I'm taking, if you want to go back to the eighties, pinky swear. Yeah. Well, Hey, I, I believe that the eighties is probably where we should have stayed at minus yeah. the uh, shorty shorts. I, uh, I still owe my parents for putting me in shorty shorts. I've got a pair of co- coaches shorts on right now, so I don't see what the problem is. But I, okay. I don't have the knees. I don't have the knees for it. I have knobby knees. Thank you to my granddad for that. It well, just the coaches shorts don't go down to the knees. I mean, they, they show I, off all the other stuff. But. That, that, that's where I, I wear pants all the time because my legs are as wide as they come, and I don't want to blind people. So that's just how that works, you know. See, my legs are so hairy. I don't. I don't worry about them being white. I don't. You know. I see, this is this is this is the in-depth stuff you get on Football's Family. I t- <laughs> we're talking about our legs. That's right. I mean, hey, hey, you know, you go in depth, and that's what I appreciate about the show. We're, I want we're to talking know about pigmentation. <laughs> I want to know. I mean, you know, this is just the way things are. 
Mr. Cal, there's two more things and I'll let you go for the day. Uh, where can we follow you? Okay. So right now um, we have a Facebook group called the USFL project. So if you, if you search um, Facebook groups, just search the USFL project, you'll find it. We also have a page, but we're on Facebook, but we're working on that right now. So you can search the USFL project on pages, on groups, but the groups is the most active. We have some, God, we have some amazing, amazing members. And I'm not even going to get into names because, you know, there are so many people that are, that are adding to that group every single day, but go to, go to Facebook, go to groups, go to the USFL project. We ask you a couple of questions and, we want to we want to invite the younger fans in. So if you didn't have a favorite USFL team, or if you don't remember the USFL, just just tell us. Just say, hey, I was I wasn't born when the USFL project. We're trying to keep the Russian bots out. We're trying to keep you know the spammers out. And we have a few rules, but I don't think it's I don't think it's anything that is overwhelming so yeah just go go to groups and search the usfl project and come and man come and enjoy everything that people post i i do you mind if i put this on our twitter page i do not i'll send you the link yeah please please um i i have it written down the usl usfl project and when this uh episode releases i I will put it in the uh, show notes. I'm going to, I'm going to send a link to the USFL project. And then I'm going to send you a link of a minute of a goat farting. Cause I oh, think you really, really enjoy that. I, I, I would, and you'd be okay. surprised with how much I'll actually enjoy that. I, my parents tried hard, Kyle. They had me for 18 years. And the moment I went to college for four years, everything that they did went down, down the tubes. And that's I, one of the things that I appreciate now. And that's been, this year would have been my 20th anniversary for graduating college and it still has not changed. You know, I feel that I, I really do feel that, you know, I, I had to, had to go back to my parents and my old, uh, my adult years and go, Hey, you know, maybe what you said was right. And, you know, I, I, I might've been mistaken on that. So I, uh, yeah. I, yeah. I, um, yeah, your parents get smarter the older you get. But I want to tell you, tell you something. My grandmother. That's the, that's the funny thing is, uh, uh, me as a parent, I don't feel that. I don't either. I don't uh, either. But you'll feel it when you're, my eight-year-old's going to come up to me one day and say, Daddy, you knew what you're talking about. Let me tell you a story. My grandmother's 88 years old. And I was up there with my youngest. And she said, uh, Ask your daddy if you can have a piece of candy. She said, no, no, don't ask him that. He has no authority here. You can have a piece of candy. (laughs) What can he do when your 88-year-old grandmother says she can have a piece of candy? You just say, yes, ma'am, and just go with it. Yes, you do. What do you you do? And you always say, yes, ma'am. Oh, yes, you do. Yes, you do. That that is something that if, if there are any younger listeners listening to the show today, which I'm sure there are, just say yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Open doors. You know, be kind to people. 
there, there are all kinds of little things that we take for granted that you can do to make somebody's life just a little bit better. So just, just do the things. Just when you're, things. when you're at the grocery store and you have a buggy, put it in the buggy bin. Don't just yes. push it, put it in the buggy bin. When you're faithful with little things, you get bigger things. And yes. that is one of those little things. Yeah. I mean, those, those little things just, just help with karma. It helps with life. It helps you make, it helps make you feel better. So just do those little things. Just little things. So you, you have a USF, you have a face or a Twitter page. We do um, at the USFL project. And we also have an Instagram, which is also at the USFL project. Yeah. Instagram is above my pay grade. I barely Whoa. know what I'm, I know what I'm doing on the Twitter, but USFL project, I'll make sure that's on there now. Um, Mr. Cal, thank you. Thank, thank you. Thank you, man. I, I appreciate you having me on the show. I hope, you know, I hope with my, hot Sam Mills take that I get to come back, but you oh, know, I, I really I don't mind. You know, like I said, I don't mind being wrong when I can be right later on and, and no more. It doesn't bother me to be wrong. Uh, you know, hey, you know what part of being a husband is being wrong. So, you know, we're, we're on the same page there. <laughs> I, my wife would hear this. So I'm going to just stop. Yeah. I'm just going to stop, I, but no, it's, uh, I don't mind being wrong. There's one thing I've learned in life is that humility, whether you joke about it or whether you don't, humility is a huge part in your life. You may know a lot, but you can always learn more. Yes, you can. I'll tell you what. Thank you for joining us on Football's Family, Mr. Kyle, and we will have you back on uh, when you have late breaking news and we are your 30th to tell. We are ready to go. <laughs> Man. I'm here. And like I said, I really appreciate the time. Thank you so much for having me on. And man, we look forward to bringing on some USFL fans of old, some USFL fans of new, and some people that are just curious about the United States Football League. So thank you so much for having us on. Oh, no problem. All right. Thank you. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com.